You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update. Special episode of KCS and Update. I'm BJ Kissel with a familiar guest. Anybody watching on YouTube, they know that face that they're looking at right now. And those who get to hear this beautiful voice uh, right now, we are joined by former Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt to talk a little Chiefs in the playoffs, a little Andy Reid. Uh, we're going to see where the conversation takes us. But Dustin, man, appreciate you joining us. Glad to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Good to see your face. Um, and yeah, good to watch the Chiefs the other night. They look good. It looked cold. I got a lot of text, you know, asking if I was there. Uh, and I was uh, warm and watching it on TV. So, but it looked awesome. It looked like a great crowd showed up for him. Yeah, I I was su- not surprised. I was eager to see what the crowd was going to look like and sound like. Uh, because you just, you test Chiefs Kingdom to see like how much will they take uh, to be there, especially with a playoff game, we feel like if they win, maybe they get another uh, home playoff game where some people could be like, you know what, I'm going to stay back, maybe get to the next one. Uh, but it looked it looked full, looked crowded. I don't know about the tailgating scene. I wasn't out there. Uh, I was tempted to go out there and to give it a shot, but uh, shout out everybody who was there, not just for being there, but still seemed loud. It seemed like they, uh, they were having a good old time. You saw the swag surfing, which has been a thing the last few years. They get the crowd going uh, when they start playing that, but it looked like a good time. For you, when you're watching the game, like what stood out to you most just about their overall performance and putting together what I called yesterday during the 10 Things show recorded, you know, their most complete performance of the season? Yeah, definitely. And I, I, to piggyback off what you said about Chiefs fans in the stadium, you know, Mark Donovan knows, sure knows how to keep the lights on over there. That's one thing that, you know, we saw on and off when I was playing there is, you know, sometimes you see big vacant areas, lights off, and nobody's in there. And that's just not the case. And that's not just because of their, you know, the success here in the AFC Championship games and going to, you know, three three Super Bowls, winning two and all that stuff here since 2020 in Miami. Um, it's it's the best college football environment that NFL has to offer. Uh, the people live and die it, live and die by the sword of Chiefs football. You can tell all week when they lose. You can tell all week when they win. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they had a great showing. It was fun. You, you know, with that snow and any of that humidity in the air, that barbecue probably gets all the way into Johnson County. People are smelling the game. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, it was fun watching that. And, yeah, I laughed when they started saying $50, $40, $35 tickets. You yeah. know people are going to the game, right? I mean, so the good showing. And um, it was fun kind of watching them play off of each other. Um the one thing that that I watch, I have to say, because he's a personal personal friend that I still keep up with, is I want to know quickly what kind of helmet Deshaun Elliott had on because all of our guys need to be in that helmet. We know that is officially the the safest helmet that you can ever play in. Um, yeah. And you know, it was, it was fun watching the staples that were there when I was playing uh, really come into their own. When you're watching Chris Jones get double teamed and then it's open up new guys. Bolton had a big game with 10 plus sacks. I think it was somewhere around there. Rice, you know, these guys that I that I wasn't that I never played with. You know, we hear all these names we talked about earlier, you know, coming out of training camp. This is gonna be the guy, this guy, and this is the this was a guy that really stepped up and had a huge game when he needed to. 
it's got to be cool for you because you know so many of the guys personally where a lot of the players I don't necessarily know as well. Even when I was working there, it wasn't like I personally knew guys just around them uh, quite a bit. But it's fun for me watching the games now, having been there and known some of the people that like when Mahomet, uh, Mahomes' helmet breaks, that I'm immediately thinking, okay, Jay's on the sideline probably figuring something out right now because, you know, Jay's the helmet yeah. guy. And they show Mahomes on the sideline like Jay's messing with his helmet. Uh, or that's that's the the fun part of how that all works. But uh, before we get too much into this, because I know there's people listening that might not know, like, hey, what's Dustin doing now? What you have going on? Uh, can you let the people know where you're living now and then just what you're doing and how you're staying connected to the game of football? Yeah, definitely. So uh, right now, uh, me and my family are living in Knoxville, Tennessee. I got uh, a job offer from the University of Tennessee where I got to play my college ball. Uh, from Coach Heupel and Coach Eckler, the special teams coach, to be part of the special teams staff uh, there. And I'm specifically working like quality control with the kickers and the punters. Um, and we've got some really good kids in our stable stable right now, guys that are going to be kicking in the league for sure. Definitely the punter. We've got a couple of young kickers, one that's kicking off like Harrison Bucker and mm-hmm. one that is going to have four years of eligibility that starts this year in Max Gilbert. Um, and so uh, it's 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 been a lot of fun to kind of – kind of take what I've learned over 17 year career and also playing there for four years and kind of instilling it in those guys. So when they get into situations and games, we've, we've already taken, I'm just like a caddy basically. Um, I'm in there every day. I get in there about six twenty, and then, you know, we bust up the film after practices We're we're three days a week, kind of like we were in Kansas city, typical day, but it's been a lot of fun. I'm from Knoxville. Uh, Christy had danced there. And so now my two older boys, they've been trying to figure out how to get back to Kansas City, which who knows what happens in the future. But um, right now out of Knoxville working and then obviously doing some stuff with you, which has been a lot of fun to keep connecting the city. Uh, I'll be back. Anybody that's watching this, if you uh, want to plug in for Children's Mercy Hospital, we have Red Hot Night. I'm doing the MC work again. It's our 20th anniversary raising a bunch of money for those kids at the hospital. And so if you can tune into that, you know, I'll never unplug from Kansas city. It's such a, such a great town, not just a football town, a philanthropic town and full of great people that I love. That's awesome. It's, it's cool that you stay connected to the city, not just because of your friends and you worked here and lived here for so long. And you're, a lot of your kids grew up in here and they've got those relationships with their friends and people they stay in touch with. But the philanthropic stuff that you're still making a point to come back and, and be a part of and do. And I know that, it was a big deal to you when you were playing. It's really cool to see that it it's maintained its its genuineness in in your heart as far as like what you care about, what you want to spend your time uh, doing. And and I want to ask you a couple. I'm going to ask you on the second half of the show about Andy Reid and just kind of your you've got such a unique perspective, not cause, just because you played for him, because you were there before and you got to see, and then you were joined a couple other NFL teams. You got to see. Um, a lot of different perspectives as far as how different coaches run their teams, how different organizations are set up. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to ask about one of the players that you just mentioned because um, you get to see guys come in and develop. And you mentioned Chris Jones. I was watching the the playoff game last night, watching Demarcus Robinson go out and make plays for the Rams. And I remember him, a young kid, hanging out with Tyreek all the time and then just watching him develop, uh, get married, like have kids. And it's just cool even from the outside, being around the guys a little bit just to see that kind of maturation process. But for you, one of your buddies who has developed into not just one of the best kickers in the National Football League right now, but when you start adding up the success that he's had and start comparing it and he's starting to get to some of those minimum requirements to be 
one of the most accurate kickers of all time, talking about Harrison Butker. How cool has it been for you to watch since the moment he arrived in Kansas City and Dave Tobes stole him, I believe, from Carolina off a practice squad to then becoming one of the greatest kickers that we've seen, at least in recent memory, if he keeps this up of all time, because that's where the numbers are headed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was I was in that workout in Kansas City. He actually didn't have the right size shoes. He wore my cleats and still had a really good workout inside. And I'm going like, man, you've you've got something big. I don't know what happened in, in Charlotte, but like this is not that Dave needed me to say that, but I I was like, this is a dude. Like he's he's really good. And it's funny, you know, he kind of went out, I think, against Washington, maybe missed his first kick, but then he he was really, really good the whole time that I was there in a, in the Super Bowl. And, and this year, he's really uh, coming of his own. And it's interesting, I, I've been watching film all year because I'm, I'm watching film on our kickers, and I always, like, try to show our guys that are doing things good in the NFL. I know Bucker's gone to that he kicks and then breaks a leg looks like he does like a split squat and then comes up and i think that's that's one of those interesting things that i don't know if he'll ever work that out but at this point why would you i don't think he missed an extra point our year maybe missed two field goals the most i believe it is and so it's fun watching him do his thing kickoff guys got to be other than washington maybe 95 percent for the year but he had to be up in that conversation in the 90s too yeah. Um, so it's been fun watching him, but man, off the field, I love when he goes to Georgia Tech, does that commencement speech, and he says the best thing that you can do is start a family, have kids, settle down. And that is what our generation does need to hear. All the unhappiness, the anxieties, the depressions, like all of those things, like what Harrison is saying, like when you lock down and really focus on what's important, the morality jesus whatever your higher calling is and then raising kids up to be that will have a better society so it's fun watching him off the off the field you know he's a godfather to one of my kiddos so like he is a he is a great human being and it's fun to watch i don't even text like during the season i unless something is like really awry i don't say like hey look at this look at that this season i have just been like do your thing because everything looks good in front of them James, Win James Winchester has just done an unbelievable job, just like getting that ball right where you want it. Where Tommy's not doing a whole lot of adjustments. Tommy has had a great season holding. And so uh, it's, man, it's been fun to watch those boys. And in that cold weather, you have to, you have to hold that. Yeah. The fish come in for, I remember we played them in 2008. They flew into an 89 degree temperature change, ended up beating us like 39, 31 or so. Um, and so they, held down the fort yesterday for those those blue-collared Kansas City fans that are going to come out rain and shine or snow. I was meaning to ask you this because with the holding, um, with the weather being what it is, I know you have you can keep your hands in like, you know, warm and like a pack behind you, but is that like a much more difficult thing? Because I know you held all the kicks, whether it's an extra point, uh, field goal or whatever. It feels like Tommy's job on that with the weather being what it is is one of those like, if something's going to go awry, Catching a ice like a ice football being thrown at you as fast as it is from that distance, that's something that very easily could go wrong. Yeah, and it's tough because you know James when he's snapping the ball, he's putting a where, where it becomes difficult is he's putting the tip on that ball on the wet ground and then snapping it back, and that that wet tip is basically coming yeah. and you're catching it with your backstop, your backhand, and then you have a guide hand, kind of like basketball. And so, but he is he is. Like James for the past, I mean, really 
21, 22, 23, he is really coming to his own snapping both on shorts and longs. And, and Tommy this year just was lights out. I mean, laces, every, like when I see guys miss kicks and I watched it all year, extra points, field goals and stuff like that, their laces are wrong or the long, wrong lean, you know, it, it is the kicker, but like when you, when you don't get it right off the start, that had been the problem in the past. And this year it was yeah. super clean. It was very impressive. Yeah. So Obviously, Chiefs get the win over the Dolphins. We broke it down. We've had a couple shows about it. But looking forward, uh, most likely scenario is the Chiefs end up playing Buffalo, going to what's going to be weather, whether it's just cold, whether it's snow on the ground. We don't know uh, what it's going to look up look like in Buffalo. But coming off the most complete victory that we've seen, we know that uh, this team is playoff tested and that they know how to handle themselves. They know how to kind of internally handled the adrenaline that comes with stepping on the field during a playoff game where it just feels a little bit different being able to handle those things. How far do you see this? Do you know some of these guys in this room? Like how far do you see this group going with some of the struggles that we had seen off, especially offensively from this team? Where do you see the ceiling of this team going? Do you think they can go all the way? I do. You know, um, I think that, you know, when I watch the chiefs right now, um, Obviously, you have on on you have two of the best players in the National Football League at their respective positions between Mahomes and Kels. Mm-hmm. And when you have that much continuity on one side of the ball, you have three quarterbacks because Andy can't step over that line and be a quarterback. But anything that he draws up, thinks about, and has a a seasoned. Uh, offensive coordinator, you know, Matt, the Matt Nagy's of this world that is a cerebral version of like, Hey, this may or may not work this might. And so you get options. I always like, listen to Tom Moore, uh, Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator, because he goes, Oh, I don't, I don't give him plays. I give him recommendations. I give him two <laughs> options. And then he goes out and does his thing. Now this is a little bit different. I, you know, I, I when I watch, you know, uh, the enemy was very good in maintaining the personality of that run game and holding stuff together. And Nagy has very good qualities too. And so the mastermind between Andy and Pat is what in the postseason, not everybody gets, not everybody has. And because sometimes it's the first time people are being in the playoffs, but not for Kansas city and not since mm-hmm. 29, that 2019 season where we had ups, downs, injuries, in and outs. And then we yep. just, even face the adversity of down by 20, down by 21, 24, whatever it is, we, they've been through every storm. And so when I said what I said a week ago that, it, you know, you got to be crazy if you don't think the Chiefs are going to be in the thick of this Super Bowl run. I said that because I saw the Phillies of this world on a one and four slide. I see uh, San Francisco when the lights come on throwing four picks out of Purdy which yep. has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, and so, and man, the only thing that I see that's tough is the ability, like we're not going to be able to more than likely do it in Kansas city. If yep. this, if this keeps shuffling, that's the tough part. But what we also haven't seen is, you know, green Bay is up and coming. Love had a great game last night. That was fun to watch, but, we get a little, we get a couple calls in that Green Bay game. We win that game. We are we are so close to being a thirteen win season, yeah. hitting the playoffs anyway. So that's we have to look at some of those things. If we get calls like that down the stretch, 
or during the regular season, we've won 13 games. Yeah, you can look at it either way. We've argued about this with Chiefs fans all year, is that as much as like, oh, they suck, trade everybody this, and they, get, they lost one game by more than one possession. You can count on one hand how many times Patrick Mahomes in his career has lost by more than one possession that they're in it. You could say if Kadarius Tony doesn't line up offsides, they beat Buffalo in right. that game if that touchdown stands on that crazy play with the lateral with with Travis Kelsey. Um, but it's unbelievable. It's funny you talk about this dynasty and all of these uh, playoff experiences and the, the game against Houston. That I've said this before that the Chiefs dynasty or whatever you want to call it, this golden age of Chiefs football right now that we're living in, if you had to pick one play that kind of changed the trajectory of it becoming what it has, it's Daniel Sorensen making a tackle on a fake punt. Yeah. That started that comeback in that game, which led to the run to win the Super Bowl. It all started with that, and then it was the fumble recovery on the ensuing kickoff after the next touchdown. But it was Daniel Sorensen, the little thing, being in the right place, knowing his job responsibility, and coming up and making the tackle on, I believe it was Justin Reed, um, on that play that he came up and made the tackle on to to kind of get this started for the Chiefs. And I won't ever forget those types of moments because it's where everything started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And obviously as Chiefs now, I'm a Chiefs fan, but still when I was playing, I was a Chiefs fan, especially when Patrick was throwing the ball because I wasn't playing as much. I was more holding and stuff. But, you know, I don't tell, you know, all the Chiefs fans listening, you know, when people talk about a 15% chance of rain, there's an 85% chance it's not going to rain. And I know that when we get in these situations, we don't know if we're going to get a bogus call like the the rushing the passer penalty against Tom Brady that would have put us in the Super Bowl, and I guarantee you we beat those Rams, right? I mean, like we're that was one of the most exciting games ever for me to watch because there are so many punts. But for everybody else, it was a complete snoozer. There was people leaving the entire time after they saw like seven or eight punts go. They're like, I'm done. Uh, we're going out in Buckhead or whatever. Um but like when I see that we're built for situations for other teams making mistakes, critical errors through analytics or whatever they're deciding to put really high in their regime where we're not counting on analytics. We're lining up with our best players spending 108% of our cash and going to try to kick your butt. And so we're not relying on some of that. Like if, you know, if uh, Tua can, you know, throw the ball downfield with Chris Jones, Carl Loftus. We haven't even talked about him yet. He had a sack and a half in that game and looked like Tamba Ali with a straight arm pushing that guy in the backfield, disrupting anything that they could possibly doing. Your timing's off of Tyreek Hill if that happens. You, you get into that, him thinking about somebody, you know, coming into you like that in the backfield like they were all day. And secondary Sneed, obviously, everybody knows what kind of year he's had. I feel like uh, between Taylor Swift and him, they're getting the most like camera time in that stadium right now because they're just they're they're playing in a league way. I have to laugh. I was just talking to Tucker before we started recording that Tyreek tweeted out that the NFL tweeted out a an ISO shot on video of the Legereus need uh, pressing Tyreek into the ground, just like knocking him down. And Tyreek quote tweeted and just said like he jammed my ass to Cancun. <laughs> Like, he, he owned it. He didn't try to make excuses. He tweeted the thing to, about Baldy, uh, about being open yeah. to the double coverage and all that. And it was, like, kind of defensive. But every player's got a little chip. They're all competitive. 
Uh, but then with the one with Steve, he's like, yeah, he just sent me, he sent me to Cancun. And I thought, yeah, oh, it's, and I think ties, you know, when you first get out of a building, I remember in Kansas city, that was really tough to be released. You know, I was told that, you know, I, I said, Hey, if you're going to release me, it's 15 years. I want a super bowl. Just let me know. Let me hit free agency. I've got, you know, teams that sound like they're interested. I know we're going to keep you, let you compete. And then they release you and you're bitter for a couple of years. It's, it's tough. Um, Tyreek's the same way because because what he was thinking is, man, once you win that first Super Bowl, I remember once we won that, I was having dreams. I was like, we're going to win three straight Super Bowls. Like I had this vision of red. And I was like, maybe it's Tampa Bay. Maybe, I don't know, but like I sure did feel like we had the guys in this room. And after you listen to somebody like Andy Reid uh, at one and five, not hit the panic button and go over and beat Detroit and um and London and Wembley Stadium and then come back and win an 11 straight games you can come back from anything coming back from yeah. you know four deficit three deficits four deficits whatever that Super Bowl year 2019 2020 um those guys especially the leaders in that room the captains that you're seeing wear that C on their chest during the playoff games those guys have been through a lot of stuff mm. and and a lot of stuff in the off season to get ready. Like after the first one, it's kind of like, Oh my gosh, like we can do this. And you see, and, and then you see like how the fans react and how much, how much better the, the work week goes in Kansas city. I mean, it, it, it's definitely a playoff of each other. Like you go down to Miami and you win a game and they're like, Oh, the, oh, the, the dolphins won. Okay. That was interesting. I was on my yacht. Like I didn't, I wasn't tuned in and you know, I was on South beach, but in Kansas city, people are, people are, living loving they're running people are in shape they're going to the ozarks they're watching chiefs football they got they drive 40 minutes and watch ku play like i mean sports is kind of in the center water sports or like the basketball like that's a lot that's a little bit of a religion and soccer is going crazy that's been fun i've been trying to get into that locker room to to uh train with some of those players i played soccer my whole life i was going to go to brown university and play soccer i wanted to go in there and just interview some of those girls. It's amazing. We're building the first women's soccer stadium ever. How's that going? Is it going? It's good. Yeah. Good. No, it seems to be going well. They keep they put out a press release like every day for a different vendor. They're gonna have Joe's inside of there. Nice. Uh, Boulevard, all the cool local businesses. They got a lot of they got a lot of cool stuff going on. I got a good friend, uh, and Danny Welniak. You know Danny. Yeah, I love her. Uh, she's over there uh, running PR for them. So to still stay in touch with her, and uh, they're keeping her keeping her busy right now. I'm bad. Uh, but we I. I've got so many questions and stories I want to pull out of you with some of these guys that I know some of them, uh, you've got some good ones on Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid. We're going to get to those stories right after this quick break, hanging out with Dustin Colquitt. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your New Year's resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your doorstep. Make saving time your breeziest resolution with quick, convenient recipes delivered right to you. Just choose your meals and select your delivery date. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping, so all you'll have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes to get cooking. HelloFresh can make cooking with your family fun, easy, and simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree and use code KCSNFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree with code KCSNFree. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Welcome back to KCSN Update. BJ Kissel hanging out with Dustin Colquitt. All right, Dustin, we got thoughts on Chiefs playoffs, where they're at right now, but I want to pull some of these stories out of you because, again, you have such a unique perspective for where the Chiefs organization is right now. Uh, you kind of were there before it kind of got to this winning culture part of it uh, and then what it's done with Andy Reid so far. The question I want to ask first, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, is when Andy Reid first got to Kansas City in 2013 and he arrived, you obviously knew the pedigree, you knew the success that he had in Philadelphia. But for you, when was a moment, if you remember, if there was a one time where you're like, this is going to be different, like I can just feel that this is heading the right direction, when was the moment or what was the the situation of something that he did where it just clicked for you like, this is it. Like, this is going to get us on the right path. Yeah, two two things that, that stick out that were like just personal experiences for me is I remember I was training for the Pro Bowl in uh, Hawaii and uh, they were, the Chiefs were letting me come in and kind of kick in the indoor facility because it was like frozen tundra, you know, late in KC before that game. And um he's obviously in the building for a few weeks and I'd been working out and doing stuff and I had somebody come down on the field. I had like headphones on and like just started my workout doing. And so, uh, I want to say, gosh, I do not remember who that was. Um, but somebody came down to the field, kind of tapped my shoulder and was like, Hey, Andy Reed wants to talk to you. And so I was like, I took my, my you know, headphones off. Like, okay. And he goes, no, not right now. He wants you to finish your workout. He wants you to kick, do what you do, do what you do here. He doesn't want to mess with any of that. But then after you're done, go and talk to him. 
And so I sat after I got done kicking, doing all this stuff. Now, believe me, I'm not even thinking about kicking stuff. I'm like, I'm about to go, you know, talk to Andy Reid for the first time. And this is a small market team that that gets this, you know, bigger than life, literally, physically, everything, you know, version of like the best coach that, you know, you think of. You think of Donovan, like he made Donovan McNabb who he was. And so that and that was fun watching that that team. So anyway, I'm talking to him and uh he goes, Hey, I have to ask you this one question. Um, and so I was like, Yeah, shoot, like, you wanna talk to the punter? Cool. And uh he was like, Are you done with Kansas City? Do you not like the town? Is it just like what you've been going through the past, you know, eight years, you know, prior to us getting here? We're like, what what's your vibe on wanting to stay? And so I was like, This is the best town that you will ever coaching um and a lot of like i don't i don't know where you're going with this i've run a little charity here for a long time but everybody talks about you know northeast medicine you know the west coast this wherever this is the best people you'll ever come in contact with most hardest playing hardest working people town at the cost of living is great uh it's probably changed here in the last two years uh but like you're gonna absolutely love it here and he he actually pulled me aside like probably three years after that. He goes, you're right. What a town that you, that you've lived in. So he goes, I just had to hear that go over and play your game, take care of business. And we, when you get back, we're going to, you're going to take care of your contract. And so I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, hmm. Like cried. He goes, all right, get back down there and start working out. And he said something that's easy. He goes, you know, I want, you, you got to start, you know, keep that weight on. You know, if, well, if I see my punter lose his butt, he's out. He's out of here. <laughs> and so I realized that like he wanted you to just hone your craft, make that the more, most important thing, the family, and then just working up. Why are you here in this room? Don't waste your time while you're here, which I loved. Um, and then I think the second time, I, what he always is great about doing is I was in a just heat 2013 in training camp. We have something go on, go down right before one of our punting periods. And Dave's like, we're, specialists go up when they're not playing we do a little lift they usually sent like travis crittenden or somebody up to like work Mm -hmm. us out we'd come back down and you know those are almost three-hour practices and so our punt period is at the very end well something doesn't go right and andy and them they're they're kind of yelling back and forth and so me and toke toke goes we're charting 20 punts right now and i was like well, well I, yeah, I, look, I'll do it, but it's got to be after the period because that's where the eye in the sky doesn't lie. I don't want to look bad that period. I'll be tired if we do that. many. He goes, oh, no, we're doing them now. So we had this like spat. It goes back and forth and it gets to the point where Andy's like, hey, like we get, you know, and then after the practice, you know, we put our hands in like we do every time, you know, suck up the hand, go in, gaff. And Dave's like, boom, we're kicking. When we, and so I was like, no, listen, I, I'm not, I'm a worker bee. But like, I'm, I got to do it after that. Not like, so anyway, we had this spat. So this is the second time somebody comes and taps my shoulder. He goes, Andy wants to see you. And I was like, oh man, I'm getting cut. Like, this is like, not good. This is like my first year under contract with these guys. I got, you know, thank God. It's the first time I've ever had guaranteed money in my, my life. And a bunch of kids at that 13, I got five kids, one, four kids, one on the way. And I'm like, this is not a good look. And so, uh, anyway, he comes in he goes, Hey, what's going on on the field? Like you're, you're the punter. Like we have problems with all kinds of guys. We don't need any out of you kind of like kind of deal. That's where I'm suspecting this to go. And yeah. so he's like, Hey, what's going on with that? I was like, well, you know, he's wanting me to kick right now. And then we have a field goal period and I'll be tired. And then everybody's 
like what's wrong with the kicker and i'm i feel great i don't want to be you know dragging in my in, in that in that last punk period and he goes takes an ego to stay in this league all right see ya and then just keep then eating again and i was like dude this guy's amazing so yeah he he, he wants you to yeah. build a build a bully Get on that field. Don't do anything. Do everything in between the whistles. If you see a number that gets you, gets you, take a mental note of it. Get him back, but don't do anything to hurt the football team. You know, you let your personality show. That's Andy Reid football. That's why he's freaking successful. That's an awesome story. That shows, and it, it sometimes it's hard to quantify or tell stories about the way, the the reason why players who've played for Andy Reid feel a certain way about him, and it. It's not the same thing. It's not close to the same thing, but we'd kind of brought it up the last couple of weeks with the the last regular season game and the incentives and the contracts for players. And is Travis Kelsey going to get to 1,000 yards for the eighth straight season? Is Chris Jones going to be allowed to play against the Chargers to get his bonus? And I remember the way in watching the press conference where Andy Reid was asked, "Will you? how do you handle letting guys play for incentives? And he said, it depends on the incentive. And I remember thinking, and I was guessing, kind of reading between the lines, and I remember thinking, if there's a significant amount of money on the line, Andy Reid's not going to stand in the way of a player who negotiated for that contract with his agent to to get a chance to get that money. But if it's just a superlative on a thousand yards, like Travis's, and I don't know if there was any money on Travis's contract for a thousand yards, I'd be a little surprised if it was a lot because he was doing it so much. But I just remember thinking, handling that kind of situation correctly, where you don't piss off some players you let play, some you don't. How do you do that while maintaining some sort of black and white consistency to how you handle those situations? Of Andy Reid handles those things perfectly, which is why consistently players talk well about him. Um, and so being able to to hear that story about the way that he handled you and not knowing you that well in that moment, it it perfectly illustrates in a great way how Andy it, Andy Reid is with players. It's funny that you kind of didn't cow like cower to him he kind of this is why i did it this was my uh reason for it it the only story i have similar i i probably told you this story before it was for me personally going in the locker room once i was going to interview sherm about something i was doing a story on barry rubin and i walked in the locker room after open media uh during season uh because you know players hanging out in alan's office like they're back in the equipment room media leaves everybody comes flooding in and I walk in, beeline straight for Sherm to ask him a question about Barry, uh, who told me to talk to Sherm because it was one of his guys. I don't get within like 20 feet of Sherm, and he's yelling, everyone in the locker room. I had only been there like a year or two. Like, guys didn't know me all that well. And he's like, media's not allowed in here, like making a big scene of it. But I just oh, kept walking straight towards him. He didn't know where I was going, and I was just making my way straight to him. Every step I took, he was yelling louder and louder, you can't be in here, get out of here. No oh, yeah. media, get out of here. And I got close and I was like, I just have a questions for you. I just have a couple of questions. I'm doing a story on Barry. He's like, did I say I cared? And I, was, and I finally just snapped and I was like, Barry said you were a good dude. I'm trying to write this story on the guy. I'm going to go back and tell him that you don't give a shit enough about him to give me a comment. <laughs> and he's just like, dude, you don't have to be a dick. Like he completely changed his mind. And he's yeah. like, you don't have to be a dick, man. We're cool. What do you got? And the, yeah. ever since that moment, Sherm was cool as hell to me ever since. Because I was like, you know what? screw this. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm trying to do. And he's like, all right, you don't have to be a dick. And then Jamal was there and started laughing. That's why I know it was one of the first years because Jamal was in there. He's right, his locker was right by Sherm's and he starts laughing. But it was one of those like, you just kind of let him know like, no, I'm here and this is what I'm doing. Uh, kind of 
respected it, I guess, a little bit, and I've had a good relationship with him ever since. Oh, and Sherman's great. That's one of one of my favorite all time Chiefs guys that made that transition from Arizona. You know, Arizona yeah. were all the affliction garb and had like the gargoyle tattoo things, and then like he gets over to Kansas City hunting, wearing camo, changes it to an American eagle. You know all the things, and so like he like he became like one of my really close friends. We were always together. I would decorate his room in training camp, and then he'd throw all the shit out in the hallway. I, I had an RV, and so I would take all of the old like RV like fluffy pillows, however they do like the you know the RV stamp on the decorations. I would yeah. decorate his whole room for him, and he'd come in. He's like, "Who did this shit? This is unbelievable." Why you? You know how Sherm is just all over it. He is like badgering people. Until somebody's like, all right, we did it. Like, Sherm, just knock it off. Like, please. He was, he's just going to, you know, get at you until he figured it out. But he is he is one of the most selfless people that in a locker room situation you could ever meet in a dying position in the NFL that would do absolutely anything for anybody in that locker room, no matter where they come from, no matter what they look like, no matter how they act during the week, if it benefits the team. Sherm's there. He was always that guy. He, we had that great, like I even, sometimes I was like, man, I was like, Dave, this, the special teams, this punt cover team is a little bit too white for me. They're not very fast. Like this is killing me, bro. And Sherm was like, Hey man, they're not going to get through. You can still punt this way. You just got to hang it a little bit more. I'm like, Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, and so like, I love some of those little stories in there that, you know, w- that we could laugh about. And, and just some of my teammates that would laugh are like, Dustin, what are you talking about? I just laugh because I can, every time I saw her, whenever we travel, Sherm was always behind either Alex when he was the quarterback or Patrick, when he became the quarterback, he was literally like the bodyguard or the quarterbacks. Oh. Whenever they got off the plane, anybody tried to talk to him, anybody tried to bother him, He was like the police for the locker room. And when we were traveled, like he was always right there by the quarterback, uh, just making sure that nobody stopped them or distracted them. Uh, he oh, took it very seriously too. Oh, awesome. totally. And like he was always like he may never be that guy that is out front making that being a disruptor and you know put like he would he would knock people out. Don't get me wrong, but like especially since we are running those long distances on a punt or kick off, you're never that first in, but you got to watch out on that second level because he you, he will knock a ball loose. He was always yeah. great about that and ripping people up off the ground that were on our team that got hit. You Or if you step on somebody's fingers or anything like that, your ass is back, your back's on the grass if you're on the other team. He was always that enforcer. You knew it was coming. Him and DJ Alexander during that yeah. couple of you here, those guys, I remember – seeing a lot of early fair catch signs and guys on their backs right on the line of scrimmage. And that's Anthony Sherman. It's uh, Frank yeah. Zombo, DJ Alexander. I don't know how his neck is still as long as it used to be. DJ would torpedo DJ Alexander. Oh, yeah. I loved him. I forgot it. I loved him. Good dude. He's a good, that whole draft class that year with, um, God, who was the other linebacker, uh, from Georgia? Um, Robert Keaton. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 51. Yes. Uh, gosh. Um, you know, the dreads. Um, Dang it. This is going to bother me. Oh, it's going to bother me too. I hate when that happens. Rakeem Wilson. Um, yeah. Wilson. There you go. Yeah, Rakeem Wilson. Yep. Uh, yeah, DJ Alexander. That, that whole draft class that Doris brought in that year was awesome. Now, I want to ask a couple more questions because you played 
Uh, guys, you mentioned earlier, two first ballot Hall of Famers as we stand today before their careers are even done with Patrick Mahomes and Travis, I'm going to say Kels. And you mentioned, I got to ask this first. Did you know that it's Kels? Like technically that's how you pronounce his last name because Andy Reid has said that forever. Everybody else has said Kelsey. Kelsey never corrected anybody. Yeah. And then come to find out last year that it actually is Kels. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, the funny thing is, is, like, whether we were, like, flying around to Blues hockey games or anything like that, these people would come up, like, the commissioner of NHL or, like, the you know, they like, Travis Kelsey, oh, it's great to And I'm going, like, and he'd be like, don't, you know, don't, you don't have to, like, correct everybody or whatever. I'd have a Christmas party every year, have my neighbors, teammates and stuff over, and the neighbors would be like, oh, Kelsey, get it. And I'm like, get. and he's like, don't, just don't. You know, Paul Rudd in the basement, uh, man, Kelsey, you're fun. You know, we got your jersey. I'd get, I'd get like a player's jersey every year. So like, obviously, Kelsey's 2013, whoever the 14, 15, Tyreek Hill, oh, yeah. 16, whoever was. And uh, or if it was two, if it was Kareem Hunt. Anyway, it was always Kelsey. And, but he would always be like, don't, like, don't worry about it. I don't want to press. It. So, I mean, at this point, it's huh. Travis Kelsey. I mean, I'll yeah. say Kels if I'm talking about him, but like it, it's because people are like, wait, who you mean Kelsey? And so it's to the point where we're like, you know what? Just let's go with the Kelsey part. That's nuts. I co- yeah. covered him for six years and I never got correct. I never knew until last year. I was like, are you kidding me? How did I not know this? But uh, curious your thoughts. We'll start with him and then we'll get to Mahomes um, on when you knew. And his was a little different because he came in and needed that push from Andy Reid. And he's talked about it a lot uh, Mm -hmm. when he came in. He was younger, kind of did some dumb stuff or didn't take it as seriously, and then something clicked for him, and uh, he could speak to that. But for you, when did you know that you had something really special, not just like a solid player, but somebody that was going to ultimately go down as the greatest tight end to ever play the game, whenever he decides to kind of hang him up? Is there a moment or a, a a story that you can share being at practice or something where you're like, this guy has got something really special. Yeah, definitely. And he's, he's like one of the most, as you know, fluid catch and run guys mm-hmm. that, that you could ever see. And it's one of those moves that like, as you're watching the game, you would think, how is this guy's kidneys not been blown out multiple times, mm-hmm. but people just can't get that rounded pattern after he catches a ball. It's like, you know, he'll, he'll dip under he's six six or something like that and he's yeah. dipping under guys tackles like how do you do that he's very agile you know he he was fighting a microfracture in his knee his freshman year and freshman year listen I, you can tell i've been in college for a season um his rookie year and yeah. was a, a wing on field goal in and off through like 2015 actually through 2017 in the pro bowl we even threw a, a fake field goal Steelers at home so I'm trying to think of like all of the things where he was kind of like not hit or miss it was like can you count on him and when when I realized how important he was one was hanging off hanging up you know at Christmas parties or like getting out with him and about eat dinners and stuff like that I realized this is a kid that's passionate about football passionate about fashion anything that he's into it's a hundred percent in the beginning it's easy first time you get a little money in your pocket and you're still kind of going out doing and so once he started having like girlfriends he was in he was a solo guy which which i really like it it says a lot but when i saw how important he was was when he got a concussion and out against the titans in that playoff game you realize like he is integral 
to our offense. Andy yeah. Reid knew it when his, he was late for a meeting or anything like that. He would like, and what Andy's really, really good at is treating everybody the same differently. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you had to treat Travis a little bit differently because you knew he was a superstar. He was uh, Chicago Bulls like Dennis Rodman type, where Phil Jackson steps back and goes, We're going to give you three days off. And Michael's Jordan's going, What are you talking about? He's not even going to come back if you give him three days. Like, what's it, what's his state going to be coming back? But but Travis, he got it right. It was only took a couple of those things from Big Red to say, look, we can't not have you play, especially the first and second half. You're out the first half, bro. Get your head on straight. And so once he got back, though, he, he had like a big transition of where you could really count on him to deliver, not just on the field, but once he was part of that unity council, Andy is good about yeah. doing stuff like that. He's like, you know what, bro? Your ass is in the unity council. And so, <laughs> you know, you got to be at that meeting. And so I, I think that it's fun watching his his maturation process on the field, but also on that sidelines. I mean, he he, yeah. he get, he's juicy on that sidelines. He's excited for everybody on offense, defense, special teams. I've never had a whole lot of guys just get totally pumped up about a big punt that's not on the defensive side of the ball because it helps them out more obviously. Those big guys like running that big big uh, diagonal line into that 10-yard line. But he would get stoked about, you know, big kicks, big punts, yep. big tackles. And so you got to have a guy that brings that kind of juice every day. I still think to this day, and I've talked about it a couple of times, uh, to this day my favorite interview – I've ever had when I was working at the Chiefs was with Travis. Uh, it was at the radio row of the Super Bowl. It was the, the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl. And I went down yeah. to cover it because everyone in the NFL that does media goes to the Super Bowl for radio row week. So you can get a lot of interviews with a lot of different people. It's actually where we sat down and we interviewed Patrick Mahomes three months before they drafted him. Like we have that sit down interview, which looking back to the coolest interview that we have that we are oh, going to save that video because he was his agent or his uh, Matt Stenberg, uh, please get was walking around with him. I think Chris is probably around somewhere, but um, Matt was walking around saying, do you want to interview Patrick Mahomes? I was like, yes. <laughs> like I'm K-State yeah. fan, watch the big 12. We may take a quarterback. Yes. Send him now. Well, we interviewed him, but in talking with Travis, I'll never forget him telling the story. And I think he was referencing the pro bowl from the year before, but he talked about talking with Tony Gonzalez and how much Tony helped him mm -hmm. in that Tony said, you will have a platform to stand up and have your teammates listen to you a few years before you realize you have that platform. And Travis didn't know he had that platform. And it was kind of that tweener, like he was one of the best players, but do I have the standing to call somebody out in front of the team? How comfortable do I need to be in my own skin with my role in this team to do that? And he said, getting voted as a captain for the playoffs changed everything as far as how he felt as a leader within that locker room. And it was one of the more genuine, just having a conversation where instead of like a Q and a, he was explaining something in a dynamic that I hadn't heard before. And it's still one of the most poignant interviews I remember having with him of him being so mentally aware of leadership and where, what he needed to be for that room and kind of working through it. And he said, Tony helped him as much as anybody. Uh, so it's cool to hear you kind of say the same things. Is where everybody knew he had talent. It was just a matter of is it all going to fall into place for him? Uh, yeah, to go do it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, one of the creepier pictures that we get to take uh, when you're a playoff captain, which we got to take a bunch of them um, <laughs> once Andy Reid got to town. But I remember like that first time he was a captain and I had to give him a tie. Like he was like, I was like, oh God, yeah, it's the, the, it's the suit. I don't know if he, it was like a 2020 Zoom call. Like I don't think he had suit pants on. We had to kind of like hide him in the back. And so, but you could kind of see him like, oh my gosh, like take on more and more, more responsibility, you know, and I'd loved watching it. I hope this doesn't come off as negative. It's just facts is you see a guy going from picking up flags and throwing them and doing stuff like that to really settling into what you're saying. One of the best Titans ever. I remember Tony Gonzalez helped me because I remember after a long practice, I would, I would be like, all right, don't, sorry, keep doing the thumbs. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And I remember watching Tony Gonzalez after practice, just catching balls and doing all of the stuff like above and beyond. He'd get off that thing off the practice field 45 minutes after where we're still all working out. Then he'd come in and get a workout and then do jump rope, hit the, hit the sauna and steam room. And I'm like, this guy, no wonder why he's doing it. So I I am not a bit surprised. And and Tony wants you to affect you to the core, just to give you an example of, what he did for Travis, for me, I remember my, what, Tony's last year here before he went to Atlanta, I think in 2012, was he here in 11, right? Or no, he wasn't here. He was he was gone in nine. So his last year, eight, Herman's la, uh, Herman was last year. I was Tony's plane partner, sat right next to him on the plane. Mm-hmm. Kyle Turley was right behind me. And so I got a lot of wisdom going back from different like angles you know, from yeah. both of those two guys. And, but I remember I ordered a steak on the plane because you just, you eat great on those charter flights and they want you to be full of energy, no excuses, no holds bar. And so I ordered this thing and Tony's like, no, he'll do the fish. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want fish on a plane. He goes, no, you don't want that steak. It'll slow you down. I'm like, I don't need to be pet fast. I just need to hit, you know, high hang time balls so it doesn't come back this way. And he goes, he'll do the fish. I got two pieces. There should be two back there, one for him. And I'm going like, so he's going to like dictate what I eat if I sit next to him? I'm like, I thought this was going to be a fun process. So as the flight goes, uh, they're like, do you want any cookies and milk? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do both. And he's like, no, 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 you, you're not going to do that. I have this, you know, gluten-free, before gluten-free was a thing, like this little brownie, uh, but it's like a protein brownie. It's going to be great, you know, and he'll do that. And I'm like, so I can't do red meat or cook sugar. And he's like, no, it's the sugars. You got to stay away from that. And it's going to just slow you down. And I, I remember going like, all right, I got to clean up what I'm doing off the field if I want to last as long and as good as this guy has been. And, yeah. and Will Shields was the same way. I mean, those guys, yeah. every part of their game was thought out. And so that's when I started doing that and just being a, a stool for a guy. If he comes in and he, because I had stuff going on in my life that I didn't want to bring into work and all of us do. And so I remember those guys being there when I needed them. Trent Green, Eddie Kennison, all those older guys. And I remember going like, I've got to be like this for these this new wave of guys. And it's crazy. I've gotten to play with those two first ballot Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And now with Kelson Mahomes, you know, watching them. And Chris Jones. I mean, nobody yeah. says that about it. Maybe they're say it, starting to say it right now. He's a dude. He's a wrecking yeah. ball. Yeah. He is carving out a niche for himself. And uh, his next wave will be interesting. Um but let's talk about Mahomes a little bit uh, in the moment. I've got a story I've told a thousand times. 
but curious for you um, because that last year, that first, the year he got drafted when he was sitting, uh, he'll tell you, he's talked about before, like he needed that time to sit. He needed that time to learn and that he wasn't going to be the 2018 of Patrick Mahomes if he played right away, uh, right. which I think some fans rewriting history that that would have been that way. And I think if you ask Mahomes, he was not ready for that. Not that he wouldn't have been good. Don't get me wrong, but um, not at the level that we saw. When did you know that it was special? Not just the arm talent, but when did you know that it was it was all there for this kid if he if he put it all together and it worked out the way that it was seemingly starting to? Yeah, I think that that goes with kind of his work ethic and his competitive level. I, I remember when Chase Daniel was the backup quarterback before he was, and Chase Chase had a great team building mentality where he could play that two two offense against the number one defense and throw you some picks and let you know let a linebacker get lucky and bat a ball that comes down to the safety and you know the defense like freaks out and it's a you know warm fuzzy feeling at practice and training camp and stuff like that and chase could handle that and also pick them apart and be that clipboard guy that is in alex's ear and you know getting things anything that doug or naggy or anything wasn't getting across that I'm a player now perspective that he could that he could give to Alex. Yeah. But when Alex and Mahomes were together, I remember watching those second team, like the OTAs, and then those second team offense versus the first team defense. And Mahomes didn't give them shit. Like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, I'm not throwing picks so you guys feel good. I'm carving you up so you get the experience of you feeling what I'm doing at practice. So like it was a whole nother level. Now maybe when he says, you know, I wasn't ready. That's because God fashioned it in such that Alex Smith was there first. And yeah. so who knows? We don't even have to have that argument because we know he's ready. And we know yeah. that in 18, like he was fully ready. And it was like, it was because of some, some calls at the end there, like the D four stuff that you're just like, Oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, uh, but what Alex was able to, to give to, to, to Patrick to kind of fully get them like ready for that first start, like he did in Denver during the regular season, I think what mimicked and mirrored that was for the first time in 2013, we had depth at every pos uh, position. Uh, we had continuity in our in our box where everybody was on the same page of winning, whether that's business and football or, or, or however that went. And we watched Andy Reid bringing a young Brett Veach in that little uh, Philly wheelhouse but tutelaged by John Dorsey first so he could gain any experience that he needed to before Veach was the guy. I'm sure that was kind of part of the plan all along. I can't speak of that because I don't know. I'm not in those conversations. But I got to watch Alex Smith and Mahomes and also, you know, Coach Dorsey and Veach really sharpen each other in a process that was fun to kind of organically see happen. Veach has listened to everything, you know, Dorsey does. Sometimes you got to have these big heads and Dorsey and, and Reed and Clark just saying, Hey, this is a small market, but you guys don't understand our history. This, we have an opportunity to do all things, not just yeah. some things, all things. And so that was fun to watch on the, on the executive side and on the playing field with, with, with the quarterbacks, you know, m mentoring Brett Veach into this spot, which now obviously he kills it. I remember being in in OTA workouts, and the guy's constantly, you know, either working out but has a phone on 
making that next move. Who can we get here? What can we do? And that's what Andy loves about him. Yeah. I, I, I've told the story before, um, but it's one of my favorite stories regarding Mahomes, and that it was the, I was still after it happened. It was the, the last practice of mandatory mini camp in middle of June. So it's the last practice before you get like seven weeks off. And then everybody reports the training camp. It was the year that he was, it was his first year as a starter. So it was that 2018 year Alex is traded and uh, Mahomes is going to be the guy that the idea was that Bob Sutton was going to throw so many blitzes and unscouted looks at Mahomes that he felt like he was unprepared. So he spent the ne- next seven weeks like studying and being like, Oh, I'm, I thought I was here, but I'm further behind. They were going to try to stump him a little bit to get him motivated during the off before training camp. And the way that it was explained is that as they were walking off the field after practice, Bob turned around and looked at Andy and just kind of threw his hands up. Like, I don't know what to do because Mahomes tore it apart. He had an answer for everything, even things he hadn't seen before. He did the right thing. And then the way that it was explained to me and the story was told is Bob just kind of looked at coach. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. And that was internally for a lot of the coaches. One of the moments where, Everyone's like, not only is he talented, not only do we think he can get it, there's something special going on here with what we're about to witness. And then we saw one of the greatest two seasons for a quarterback statistically in NFL history. And I'll never forget them explaining that they tried to stump him and it didn't work. Well, my whole career, I mean, we've had some good quarterbacks here and you know, obviously, you know, Trent Green was here when I first got here and they're the timing between him, Eddie Kennison, Tony Gonzalez you don't need timing with Tony. Tony would go up and get a ball just like he's playing NBA basketball at will. But then you also have a timing route coming over the top in Eddie Kennison that it doesn't matter what you do. Like that was going to be a completed pass, especially at home. Yeah. They just had that figured out. And so I know exactly what you're talking about and what practice because <laughs> when Mahomes got here, whenever you – since 1982 we hadn't drafted a quarterback and it happens in my time. And so I'm like, I don't want to go in and work out. I'll work out after practice. I want to watch what's going on here. This is like historical. And I was old enough to have that kind of mentality or in the back of my head, like, I want to see what he's doing. And so we would wait out there and like kind of watch him. And BJ, it wasn't like it, he was throwing in a one defense full of blitzes. He was throwing timing routes. He was threading needles over the top right as the DB is looking back. The ball's already in his blind spot in receiver's hands on our number one quarterbacks and safeties, guys that can't do anything about it. And so you're watching this kid and you're going like, he's playing pissed and to prove you wrong every day. And that's what he does now that I'm away from the practice facility and not a part of the organization anymore, except for talking about him, is I know that's what he still does because he wants to beat you every day, not on Monday, Thursday, Sunday, every freaking day. I think it, it reminds me of the story. I, I think it was the last dance, the documentary on Michael Jordan and the Bulls teams where one of his teammates, because Jordan used to go around and try to play games or whatever, play card games to take everybody's money. I remember who it was that he sat in the front, just didn't have had like $5 in his pocket. And he said, uh, Jordan came up and like played him for a game to take his money. And the guy goes, you know, you're playing for hundreds, thousands of dollars in the back of the plane. Like, why are you coming to take, take my $5? He goes, I want your money in my pocket. Like he was that competitive. It was like, I don't care how much it is. I want what's yours in my pocket. Cause I'm going to beat you. Uh, it kind of sounds similar to, to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. On the, on the process, we talked about that a little bit with barbershop, Sean Barber. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any, any chance 
that there is a time to get competitive with Patrick, with Kelsey. I think what you have to do at the end of the day and what they do well is they let it get personal. They take it personal. You see like the Tom Brady's, you know, Pat has learned a little bit from Tom, at least how he went about things. And Tom, if you watch some of his recent interviews since he's been out, he used to talk about how he would create scenarios that weren't even happen during the game. Like, what did he say? What did he say about us? And he would create this game within the game of saying like, no, nah, we're going to beat now. What? No, we're going to be, I can't believe he'd say that. And, you know, guys are in the huddle going like, I, we didn't hear anything. And he goes, no, that's what we're going to do. We're, you know, we're, we're going to get, we're going to beat them all. That's why he wasn't friends with anybody. I remember Peyton Manning in Hawaii uh, telling me in the pool, I'm sitting and Peyton is the king of all jokes. I'm walking and I've got like a couple of drinks for my kids. And I'm like, you know, holding them like this. I'm just trying to get over to where, you know, Christy has got a baby and I'm like getting them over. And uh, Peyton's like, Hey, hey, uh, D- hey, Dustin, come here, come here. And I was like, let me just, and our lounge chair is not like, two lounge chairs or so over. I'm like, I'm just going to, and he goes, no, 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 it'll be, it'll be really quick. And so I'm like, it's Peyton. Uh, all right. So I like walk over and he's in the, he's standing on the stairs, talking to a bunch of players with a shirt tucked into his bathing suit, like on purpose. So these guys are like, this guy is like super white boy. And, no. and he's like, Hey, what do you think we're going to do Tennessee football next year? Do we, do you think we're, and I'm like, you're the, one of the bigger donors that we have over there. You know more than I know. And he's like, here, go, you can go put your, he just wanted to, you know, disrupt what I was doing, trying to get like, you know, drinks over here to my family. And, but like, so we're dealing with like Patrick too, getting to kind of see how guys do their game. But Peyton, he didn't want anybody, anything that he could get. He's like, Hey, you got to come down to your room or, you know what, let's start out in your room. You know, what, what's your room number? We'll start in your room. And then, and I'm like, Oh no, I've heard this. You're going to charge everything in my room. I'm not, we can't do that. This is my first go around in this deal. But <laughs> I tell you all this because on the steps, he goes, he goes, you know, I've been trying to call Tom Brady to come out and enjoy the week. I mean, I'll, I'll play most of the game if he'll just come out and like hang out with us. But Tom's already prepping for the next year. He doesn't want, he doesn't want anything to happen. So he's already, he doesn't want to share any information. You don't want to talk about any process with any of these defensive guys you see in the pool. And so, Tom, huh. for to that point, like we're getting to watch some of the, the, a great one of the greater two quarterbacks of all time, not information sharing, and yeah. so I think that's interesting that you know Mahomes comes after you know both of those guys, but also um, probably gets to share a little of information now that Tom's not playing. But I can't see him sharing. You know, he's got two. Yeah. And Tom's going like. You know, I don't, you know, I got, I only got five in the distance and he sees what they've been able to, to do there and amass the wins and the AFC yeah. championship games and Arrowhead. And so, but it's fun watching that watch. I say that kid because he's a lot younger than me, but you know, it's fun yeah. watching Pat be able to do what he does at a high level. And sometimes when you hear chiefs kingdom say like, we don't have any receivers. Well, shit, we had one last night. Rice was amazing. And, you know, sometimes it just takes, as you know, and you said earlier in the show, sometimes it just takes that one guy to have an extraordinary game or the other side, the other team that doesn't have the experience, trust in the analytics or do something stupid. And we take advantage because of our experience. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that plays out again as most likely scenarios the Chiefs end up facing the Buffalo Bills. Unless for some reason the Steelers without TJ Watt uh, can go and beat the Bills, which, uh, 
yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So it looks like likely Chiefs will be playing the Bills Sunday night uh, up there in Buffalo in some more weather. We'll have to watch Freddie up at Holiday Distillery for anybody who's hanging out. All right, Dustin, before we wrap this up, any closing statements, any words of wisdom you want to leave the people with before we wrap this one up? Yeah, I would just say, you know, trust the process. I know they're doing that. You could see that with how many people are actually at that game and all the elements, still barbecuing, still drinking Boulevard. You know, that they, they're they're passionate about their Chiefs fan. I probably should say just beverages there. But mm-hmm. I, 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 but um, I, I think that you have to be patient. Those guys have – they spend countless hours. After coaching this past year, I really understand the time and effort that it takes to breaking down an opponent and you're trusting all of your different departments to, to scout what we need to do and what we need to do best. And that showed it's tough. Anytime you come from, you know, South Beach, unless you fly in and practice at one of the local area high schools, you can't get ready for that kind of cold in Kansas or in Missouri. We're we're right off I-70 there. And they've been so tough to beat. They're going to be going on the road. They fared well on the road this year. We just haven't gotten a lot of the calls that go our way. I I think that, you know, I, I see this going well. And I'll support my claim. I see them going far and right in the middle of the Super Bowl this year. Love it. I think... Next time you and I sit down and chat, and you'll be doing more stuff with us as we go forward, I I would really like to do a breakdown, somebody may have done this before, of counting up all the hours from the weight room, from phase one, phase two, phase three, the offseason, all of it, all of the practice time at training camp, all the meeting rooms, take all the hours put into prepping for a season together, and then divide that by the number of snaps that are played on average by an NFL player or by a team. And to say for every snap that's on the field, that's 86 hours worth of work in the offseason from these right. guys. Because it's going to be something like that, but the amount of time spent prepping and then the amount of plays, like it's so, there's so much work that's put in that that's the only thing I ever used to get pissed off about when I worked there. There's one thing that fans you stay that would piss me off is these guys don't care. They just want to collect a check. They're just doing it because they make a lot of money. Like you have no idea what these guys are putting themselves through and how much time and effort they're putting into this uh, to make yeah. a comment like that. And they just don't know because they don't see it. And we're helping guys up, up onto the plane after games that first year um, just because they were so sore and beat up trying to get on the team plane afterwards. It was one thing that people say that pissed me off. But, man. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough hearing some of that. And I think it's just an anger because they haven't put the work in and we live in an entertainment society. And – and, and I'll say to, to, to piggyback off that is, you know, we have been very spoiled the last few years with Chiefs football. Yeah. And it's easy to look at some of the potential distractions going on and blame those and this and that. But like the New England Patriots, the the run that they made, those three Super Bowls and then the one after another and then the last, you know, that, that was a crazy run that they made. Not everybody can do that. And we've managed to play play in three Super Bowls in the last few years. I mean, that is outstanding after a drought since, you know, 50, 50 years. Yeah. But those guys put the put that time in, and they do specialized workouts. I remember Tomba talking about, man, I just want to try to stay in this league and do everything I possibly can to work as hard as I can. I, I mentioned his name because he, he he did the war drum um, up there. And – I would watch him and he would have a martial arts guy come in and bring a wrestling mat, being all white with the the belt on the whole nine yards with the and spar with people just wrestling. Sorry about that. 
technology. That's why I don't do a court a lot, but I, I do it during these longer podcasts. Um, I remember him bringing these wrestling mats, and one, people didn't want to jump in with him because he sweat, he, he rained sweat. But he did anything he possibly could to know that his motor was never going to run out during a game. And I know watching him, I mean, that had to take years off of his life and years off of other guys' lives just prepping to be in the trenches for Andy Reid and for whoever his head coach and his defensive coordinator was on game day. And and those guys put in countless hours. I know they don't leave the facility. I'm sure Mahomes, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. whatever he can do to get one one thought or one reaction or one quick thought of like, hey, this is what they're probably going to do in these situations. And and knowing Andy Reid, anything he draws up, Mahomes can do. So they're yeah. putting that time in for sure. It's it's on that other side of the ball. How much of these other teams kind of prep for that and drafted for that and free yeah. agents for that. And that's what's going on here a little bit. For sure. All right, man. Unbelievable stuff, Dustin. We appreciate you for joining us and uh, make sure I'll give you a chance to, to plug it here as we, we close out this show again. You'll be back uh, first week in February uh, with the benefit um, for uh, Children's Mercy. Give you a chance to do that. But appreciate everybody for listening. Again, hit that like and subscribe, and we'll have plenty of more content you getting ready for the Chiefs divisional round matchup. Whoever it is, whether it's the Texans at home on Saturday or likely the Bills on the road Sunday night. And again, we'll be doing the watch party up at Holiday Distillery in Weston. Uh, there are limited spots, so make sure you get on uh, our social media channels. we got the links. Sign up, reserve your spot, come hang out. We'll have Mission Taco up there. We'll have some drinks. Uh, should be a good time. But Dustin, when you're back, for anybody who's listening that wants to come hang out and support uh, when and where can people find that information? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I, I do a lot of stuff still back in, in city, whether it's uh, podcast stuff or, you know, hospital work or team smile. I'm always trying to get back to KC. And so, yeah, I can, you know, I can, I can give you a bunch of information if you want to put out later, but yeah, the next time I'm, I was supposed to be here doing this live with you um today and just the it's snowing in knoxville snowing all the way up in you know crossville the plateau nashville my flight got canceled at you know right before midnight last night so i couldn't make it but i'll be back uh second third and fourth of february in kc come out to red hot night from children's mercy hospital you know we're just like the we're the we're the winter version of big slick in the summer that benefits all of those kids and benefits uh and all that money stays in kansas city and families and kids come in from all over. So that's my plug for KC and uh, Children's Mercy Hospital. Great stuff, man. Love it. Love the support you still have for the city and appreciate everybody for listening. And again, we'll have more content getting you ready for the upcoming matchup. The KC Lab guys will be going live tonight. Only Weird Games will actually be going live tomorrow. So a little change up on the schedule, but appreciate you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, BJ. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.